Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. My name is Ned Jabbar, and uh, this is going to be episode 20 of The Informed Catholic, episode 20 of uh, the new year, 2021. So, um, before we begin, please subscribe and share to my podcast if you like what I do and you think I'm doing a great job. It would be a great help if you subscribe and share with your friends, let your friends know. This is a Catholic podcast. Uh, it's basically we do uh, both uh, the faith, catechesis, apologetics, as well as the news. We cover everything that involves the faith, and that's important because uh, I believe that you should have uh, knowledge of what's happening around the world, knowledge of what's happening in the church and uh, national as well as international news, as well as uh, knowledge of the faith. Um, I am a convert to the Catholic faith um, and I've been a convert since 1997 and I'm very happy now to, uh, to live my life in Christ Jesus. Uh, I'm a convert from Islam and uh, I was never really a practicing Muslim, but I grew up in a Palestinian culture. I'm well familiar with it. And uh, I'm well familiar uh, with the struggles of, of coming to understand who God is. Um, you know, we live in a world now where it's very diversified uh, and very confusing. Um, a lot of times, um, people have fear of asking questions, uh, fear of, uh, of searching for the answers and sometimes maybe fear of finding the answer. Um, that's something, um, that's, uh, I understand very well. Um, so, um, before. Now that we got that out of the way, we'll talk more about it later on. Let's begin with the act of contrition. All right. Um, today, we're going to do something a little different. <clears throat> um, well, I'm going to continue doing reading and then making some commentary on uh, on the sub on the scripture passage, which I think um, seems to be getting some good responses. But I know that we also should catch up with the with some news that's going on. So let's begin with the act of contrition in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what I have done and what I have failed to do through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, ever virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. <clears throat> Excuse me. Kiri elision, kiri elision, kiri elision, Christe elision, Christe elision, Christe elision, kiri elision, kiri elision, kiri elision. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to people of goodwill. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you. We give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, Heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Only Begotten Son, <clears throat> Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord, you alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. When I do the um, the Kyrie Elysion, Christe Elysion, uh, for those of you who may not be familiar, Kyrie Elysion means Lord have mercy in Greek. Christe Elysion means Christ have mercy in Greek. The This is the only part of the Mass um, uh, when it's done properly, when it's done in, in, the, in its traditional form, 
is the only part of the mass that actually has the Greek from the uh, the times of the apostolic age. The Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy. We usually hear it sometimes maybe in our vernacular. Here in America, we would probably hear it in, in, in you know, in English, obviously. Um, but it is supposed to be done in Greek. Um, so it's a beautiful, when it's done properly in a beautiful chant, in a beautiful, um, beautiful orchestra, a well-organized orchestra with a good director, it's a choir master. It's fantastic. Uh, especially if you have a, a church with a beautiful acoustics, um, the sound can travel beautifully. Um, it's meant to elevate the soul, bring the soul into the presence of God. When you have a beautiful choir with no guitars, <laughs> I hate guitars at mass. I'm sorry. Uh, you'll never win me over. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I was watching something in, um, the Holy land, uh, during the, uh, it, ha it, they did it during Easter and they did it during the Christmas season or during the advent. And it was in Nazareth. Uh, I've been to Nazareth. Uh, the church there is beautiful. I'm sorry, but, um, I don't know why, but Palestinians, especially Christian Palestinians have a tendency to go into the hippie domain, <laughs> you know, the guitars and uh, they had people in there in the beautiful, in this beautiful Basilica, they could have just done a more traditional uh, hymns, uh, chants. They had an organ, they had an organ just a few feet away behind some gate. And, Waving candles and playing guitar in a hippie format does not work. It drives people away. Okay? I'm sorry. You, you know, if you can sing, then you can do a traditional Gregorian chant. You can even do it in traditional Greek. I don't care. Just do it as a chant. Forget about the guitar. The guitar has a tendency, unfortunately, of, um, it just uh, breaks, um, I don't know. It just goes into a, a, a very folk kind of, kind of world and it ruins the, the, the prayer. It does not bring people to prayer. I mean, I'm sure it can be done if it's done properly, but they, um, they're standing there waving candles and looking like they're from Woodstock. I don't care for that. I'm sorry. All right. So, okay. I, I might express my disdain for it too much, maybe. All right. So let's go into the scripture passages here. I'm sure I've made enough enemies probably. <clears throat> okay. We continue with the book of Hebrews, uh, the letter of the Hebrews. I keep saying book of Hebrews. Chapter 5, verse 1 to 10. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. A reading from the letter to the Hebrews. Amen. Every high priest is taken from among men and made their representative before God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He's able to deal patiently with the ignorant and erring, for he himself is beset by weakness, and so, for this reason, must make a sin offering for himself as well as for the people. No one takes this honor upon himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. In the same way, it was not Christ who glorified himself in becoming high priest, but rather the one who said to him, You are my son, this day I have begotten you. Just as he says in another place, You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. In the days when he was in the flesh, he offered up prayer and supplication with loud cries and tears to the one, to the one who was able to save him from death. 
and he was heard because of his reverence. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And when he was made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God. As I said before, the book of Hebrews is loaded with so much um, theology, so much typology. It's, un it's unbelievable. I'm going to read it one more time. A letter from the Hebrews, uh, to the Hebrews, a reading from the letter to the Hebrews. Every high priest is taken from among men and made their representative before God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He's able to deal patiently with the ignorant and erring, for he himself is beset by weakness, and so, for this reason, must make sin offering for himself as well as for the people. No one takes this honor upon himself, but only when called by God. Just as Aaron was, in the same way it was not Christ who glorified himself in becoming high priest, but rather the one who said to him, You are my son, this day I have begotten you. Just as he says in another place, You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. In the days when he was in the flesh, he offered prayer and supplication with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reference. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And when he was made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So now we go back to um, the book of Hebrews, the the, the one who's, who wrote this, and I believe it was Paul. Um, Jesus' role as high priest. Here we're going back to the... Um, to the roles of the sons of Aaron, high priest. Every high priest is taken from among men and made their representative before God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. That was the role of the high priest in the Old Covenant. The role of the high priest. And technically, it's not just, even though the Jewish people believe it was just for them, technically not so. This was also for the world because they believed that Jerusalem was the center of the world. And the idea was to fix the covenant that was broken. The covenant, the, the broken the, that Adam and Eve did, that broke, that severed this, this sacred bond between humanity and God because of Adam and Eve's disobedience <clears throat> and their fall. They passed the sin to the whole world. Um, you know, the, the temple of um, Herod, and um, maybe in some cases it would have been the same, I'm sure, with the Temple of Solomon. There was a court for the Gentiles. The Gentiles who came and watched from a certain distance what was going on in the, the, uh, the ceremonies, the rituals in the temple. There was a court of the women and the court of the men. And then it was the court of the priests. Now, um, they would watch. And then even some Gentiles offered gifts. Um, I mean, you know, if you remember the book of Acts, Jews from all over the world, even Ethiopia, would come and offer uh, gifts to the temple. And so that was part of their, that was part of the whole deal because Solomon himself said, this house is a house uh, for all nations. The temple was meant for all the people of the world. And it was a prefiguration of the co new covenant that was coming. Now, here, it's saying because the high priest had to offer sacrifice for himself. He had to offer forgiveness of sins for himself. 
because he was a man. He was mortal. And he was also a sinner. And he had to be sincere and very cautious if he concealed any sin that he did not confess. Or else he would be struck down. Now, I mentioned that the priest had to have a, a rope tied to his ankle to pull him out if he doesn't come out at a certain time. He only goes in there once a year, uh, a time for atonement, to ask for sins, which is Yom Kippur. Now, um, it says here, it makes it quite clear. He's able to deal patiently with the ignorant and erring, for he himself is beset by weakness. And so for this reason, must make sin offering for himself as well as for the people. No one takes this honor upon himself, but only when God, when it's called by God, just as Aaron was. In this same way, it was not Christ who glorified himself in becoming high priest, but rather the one who said to him, You are my son, this day I have begotten you. This is from Psalm 2. And it says in another place, I think it's might be Psalm 114. Um, sorry, I, I don't have it right in front of me, but you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek is that strange figure who appeared in the book of Genesis to Abraham. Only once he was king of Salem, which is Jerusalem. And he came out with bread and wine and he offered it on an altar before Abraham. And then he blessed Abraham. Now, why did he bless Abraham? He passed the high priesthood down to Abraham. He anointed Abraham and passed the high priesthood. It's a mysterious figure. Um, we're not told much else about him. Some say it might have been one of uh, Shem, Noah's sons. We don't know for exactly. There's a lot going on in there. Some say it was Jesus himself, possibly a strange figure that appeared, an apparition. We don't know. It doesn't really say the only time he always, he appears once again is in a Psalm. He's mentioned in a Psalm. You are a priest after the order of Melchizedek. Strange thing, strange, a very strange event that comes and goes without no explanation. It's one of those moments in the Bible um, that is quite strange. He comes out of Jerusalem. He sees Abraham. At the time he was Abram. After Abraham had the battle, he rescued his his, fa his uh, uh, family members, saw a lot and his daughters, his wife and daughters, they were taken captive. And um, Abraham gives an offering to the king of Salem. Uh, treasures, gold that he took. <clears throat> and there were several other kings who went against the kings of uh, kings of, of Sodom, I think, Sodom and Gomorrah. And Melchizedek comes out with um, bread and wine. And I'm guessing oil. And then Abraham uh, is there. Was a, so let me stop for a minute. So fire truck. Um, he comes out and then he he anoints Abraham. That's what I'm. I'm sure that's exactly what happened. He anoints him. It doesn't say it, but a blessing usually. Um, involves anointing, anointing of oil, laying of hands, blessing the person, anointing him. Maybe Abraham, I guess, would have received the Holy Spirit under this mysterious old covenant. And then he offers the sacrifice of bread and wine, which is a prefiguration of the, of the Eucharist, of the Eucharistic sacrifice. And then Abraham offers up his sacrifice of gold and treasures that he took uh, with his army. So now he has received the blessing. The, off, the, the, the high priesthood, the mysterious high priesthood is now passed down to Abraham. And then now it would be passed down to his son Isaac. And then it would pass down to Jacob. And then it would be passed down 
to his sons Levi, the which later on the Levites would re, would would definitely inherit. All the sons basically inherited, but definitely, most definitely, it would be Levi. And then later on, when they uh, during the time of Moses, this this mysterious high priesthood is con uh, continues within the bloodline of Abraham. All of them were supposed to be high priests in their own right, <clears throat> which could have been different. The whole covenant could have gone a different direction. But instead, they built a golden calf. They were tempted with lust, with idolatry, dependence on Egypt, Egypt's idolatry for Egypt, Egypt's uh, food, uh, to, be, to be a slave, to be taken care of, and at the same time, willing to sacrifice themselves to death to uh, a sinful idol nation. Well, the high priesthood was reduced down to Levi, Moses and Aaron's tribe, and the rest of the tribe would lose it. <clears throat> Except for the Levites, they would inherit no land. There'll be no land for them in the promised land because they would be priests. They would be dependent on the charity and sacrifices the tithing of the people, the rest of the 11 tribe. So now it gets passed down through the centuries, right? And then suddenly now we come to the time of Jesus. And Jesus himself is the ultimate true high priest. He's the Messiah, king, priest, prophet, and um, king, priest, and prophet, and sacrifice, actual sacrifice. He's the sacrificial lamb. So you see, it's all, <clears throat> it's all fulfilled. It's all eventually fulfilled for the, to the perfect high priest, to the perfect one who doesn't, who doesn't, who himself has no sin and who himself can offer himself perfectly for the not just for the Jewish people but for the whole world and who can make intercession who is um perfect who cannot be tempted and cannot be corrupted that's Jesus Christ himself who can sympathize with humanity but who's also both God and man <clears throat> king prophet priest, victim, sacrificial offering. That's, that's why he's perfect. That's why there, that's why he, he's, 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 a, he's perfect. And, you know, he can set up, he can forgive sins, even through weak, sinful men, like we have in, in today, we still have weak, sinful men. We're all weak sinners, all of us. But we have a high priest that can never be corrupted. All right, let's go to the um, to the psalm. All right, it's Psalm one hundred and ten, and not one hundred and fourteen, as I thought. One hundred and ten. You are a priest forever in the line of Melchizedek. A priest forever in the line of Melchizedek. All right, you, I just read this part here. Remember in the book of Hebrews or the letter of Hebrews, okay? You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. All right, let's begin. You are a priest forever in the line. The response is in the line of Melchizedek. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. You are a priest forever in the line of Melchizedek. The scepter of your power, the Lord will stretch forth from Zion, rule in the midst of your enemies. You are a priest forever in the line of Melchizedek. Your, yours is princely power in the day of your birth, in holy splendor before the day star like the, like the dew. I have begotten you. You are a priest forever in the line of Melchizedek. The Lord has sworn and he will not repent. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. You are a priest forever in the line of Melchizedek. So 
<clears throat> Let me read it one more time, this time without the, the response. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. The scepter of your power, the Lord will stretch forth from Zion, rule in the midst of your enemies. Yours is princely power in the days of your birth, in the holy splendor, before the day star, like the dew, I have begotten you. The Lord has sworn, and he will not repent. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. So let's see what we notice here. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Obviously, okay, this fulfills also the prophecy in Daniel. Okay, Daniel, remember, has the image of the Son of Man. Um, as a matter of fact, let me read it. Let me put the connection a little bit. Okay, so I might as well read, um, I guess, chapter 7. Because I, I think it's going to be difficult to try to put it all together if I just take it, just pull out that verse. In the chapter 7 of Daniel, in the first year of Bel Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream. This is the, the son of King Nebuchadnezzar. He just took over. Uh, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head, uh, you know, of his head as he lay in bed. Then he wrote down the dream and told the sum of the matter. Daniel said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea, and four great beasts came up out of the sea, different from one another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. Then as I looked, its wings were plucked off, and it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand upon two feet like a man. And the mind of a man was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second one, like a bear. It was raised up on one side, and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And it was told, Arise, devour much of the flesh. After, after this I looked, and behold, another like a leopard with four wings of a bird on its back. And the beast had four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this I saw in the night vision, and behold, a fourth beast, terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong. It had a great iron teeth. It devoured and broke it, it broke in pieces and stamped and uh, the residue with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it. It had ten horns, and I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another horn, a little one, before which the three at first horns were plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things as I looked. As, as I looked, thrones were placed, and one that was ancient of days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and his hair, the hair of his head, like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousand served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. And I looked, and then, because the sound of the great words which the horn was speaking, and I looked, and the beast, hold on, make sure I'm not losing my place here. All right, we're in the right place. I looked, and then, because of the great words which the horn was speaking and i and as i looked the beast was slain and its body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire as for the rest of the beasts their dominion was taken away but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time i saw in the night visions and behold with the clouds of heaven there came one like the son of man 
And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and the glory and kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. So you see, it you see the kind of the imagery is there. It's it's all there. I just read to you Daniel. Now, before those those beasts that we saw, obviously they're empires. I'm not going to go into the interpretation of them, but Dr. Taylor Marshall in his book called The Eternal City goes into it, and maybe one day I'll we'll we'll uh, we'll look over to what he says. But the point is is that Melchizedek, uh, the image of Psalm 110, um, is pretty much like, uh, it's almost exactly the same of that of Daniel's. All right, the Lord, you know, his sit on my right hand and make your enemies your footstool. Uh, the um, He says, like it says here, yours is princely powers in the days of your birth. In holy splendor before the day star, like the dew I have begotten you. It's speaking of his eternal existence. This priest is not an earthly priest. It's one who has come from eternity, who whose existence is before the days of eternity. Is obviously the day star, like the dew I have begotten you. The Lord has sworn and he will not repent. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. You look at the, the part here. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. All right. And then, you know, and he gives him rule over Zion, rule, rule over his dominion. It's not an, just an earthly dominion. It's a cosmic universal dominion. So this priest is not just an earthly priest. The earthly priest will have to come to an end. Now it's a heavenly priesthood. It's a priesthood that is, he's giving, he's, 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 he's giving his dominion, he's giving his power, he's sharing his power with this Christ. And this, this high priest, this, Mel, this one who takes in the line in the order of Melchizedek, that's why it makes it different from anything else. That's why there has to be. We are looking for rulers. Look what's happening now. We've gone from one president and we're going to go to another president. And there's, we don't know what's going to happen with the United States. People, other people are looking to create a perfect world. And their idea of a perfect world is to get rid of people, people that they feel are undesirable to them. And they're going to do it. You hear people like Bill Gates, you hear people like, um, Soros, you hear people like some of these, these, these presidents, their problem is they think is that to get rid of poverty is to get rid of the poor, get rid of people that they feel are, will never function, will never, will never be better. So they want to have the power of life and death. They also want to have the power to tell people that you can be whatever you want, uh, you don't have to accept the sex that you're born with. There's a perversion going on. Empires, people will always be perverted with power. It happened with Hitler. It how it happened with Mao Zedong. It happened with Stalin and Lenin. It's going to happen again. It doesn't make a difference. Even Napoleon and all the others, they all fell. They all got drunk with power. And they thought that they can set up a perfect world. They can't set up a perfect world. All right, let's go to the gospel. All right, the Alleluia Antiphon is taken actually from the book of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. The word of God is living, effective, able to discern reflections, thoughts of the heart. Alleluia, alleluia. The word of God is living and effective able to discern reflections and thoughts of the heart. Alleluia, alleluia. 
St. Mark's Gospel, chapter 2, verse 18 to 22. The bridegroom is with them. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark. <clears throat> the disciples of John and of the Pharisees were accustomed to fast. People came to Jesus and objected. Why do the disciples of John and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered them, Can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast on that day. No one sews a piece of unshrunken, <clears throat> unshrunken cloth on an old skin. If he does, its fullness pulls away from the new from the old, and the tear gets worse. Likewise, no one pours new wine into old wineskin. Otherwise, the wine will burst, and the skins, both the wine and the skins, the are ruined. Rather, new wine is poured into fresh wineskins. I'll read it one more time. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark. The disciples of John and of the Pharisees were accustomed to fast. People came to Jesus and objected. Why do the disciples of John and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered them, Can the wedding guests fast? while the bridegroom is with them. As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast on that day. No one sews a piece of unshrunken cloth on an old cloth. If he does, its fullness pulls away the new from the old and the tear gets worse. Likewise, no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and then both the wine and the skins are ruined. Rather, new wine is poured into fresh wineskins. The Gospel of the Lord. Pray, praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. All right, so let's see what is, is being said here. The disciples of John and the Pharisees were accustomed to fasting, right? And people were objecting. They were, they were asking Jesus, why do the disciples of John and disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? So there's a certain, obviously, discipline that they're expecting religious movements, especially in the, the Jewish people back then, that disciples and teachers, uh, rabbinical teachers, and their students supposed to have, they're supposed to have, I guess, an austere uh, fasting. Uh, John and his disciples were fasting. The Pharisees fast. So they're asking Jesus, how come you're not behaving like the other religious communities that are around? And Jesus tells them that he describes himself as the bridegroom. Who else is the bridegroom but Jesus, right? And while he's with them, there's no need to fast. He said, only when I'm gone, then they will practice all these rituals. All right. So then he goes on to say that if you have a tear, you uh, on an old cloth, you don't take new cloth that has not been used, uh, washed properly, and you don't sew it on an, old, on, a, on an old cloth with a tear, or else the two are just, you know, are going to uh, pull apart the new from the old. It's kind of describing the new covenant with the old covenant. You know, you got to, you know, uh, I guess he's saying you got to uh, look for the proper pattern, look for the proper fit. Um, then he describes, I guess, the new covenant with the old covenant, like you can't... Um, put uh, new wine into old wineskins. Uh, I guess whatever the the acidity or the the freshness of it will, you know, it's not, it, hasn't, it hasn't been, in other words, n new wine in new, new skins so that there won't be 
that negative reaction. And I guess he's saying is that you have to, you know, you know, you have to like at least uh, let it, I guess, what's the word? Ferment, I guess. Uh, let it uh, get accustomed. You know, he's, he, I guess he's describing the fact that his followers, you know, are not going to rush into their holiness. That they're, that uh, they need spiritual maturity. I guess is one thing. Um, just like you know, any anyone needs spiritual community. Maybe they, you know, the fact is a, a spiritual maturity is discipline. They need a discipline. He's first couple of years he's with us. It's to discipline us to teach us. After some time, the the maturity will be reached. And we, even with the old covenant, it would, uh, I guess, be better understood because you can't just rush. Some, you know, some people, when they become Christians, they want to rush. They, they're empowered. They want to take over the world. I think it was probably the same thing with St. Paul. I guess it was the same thing with many Christians. They want to take over the whole world. You know, they want to, you know, they want to share the gospel. They want to share everything. And that's usually a very revolutionary mentality as we see. People want to rush things. And when you rush things, it's not the will of God. It's the will of man. And that's what's so dangerous about this. Jesus himself wanted his apostles, disciples, to, to, to mature. And a lot of times, some people, they want to solve the world's problems. They want to solve the ills. They want to solve poverty. They want to solve injustice. But not everybody thinks this, thinks and see, views the views faith the same way. You know, some people I think are more prone to poverty, um, injustice. It becomes a social activist sort of thing, which becomes very alien, you know, to to the faith because the faith is about salvation. There's always going to be political problems in this world, and that's something we have to realize. We're never going to solve these problems. Jesus himself said it. The poor will always be with you, but I will not always be with you. And that's something that we have to remember as Christians. All right, I'm going to pull up some articles because lately I haven't been doing articles and I think we should uh, catch up to what's going on. All right, give me a minute. All right, this is from LifeSite News. It's an opinion uh, it's by Robert L. Kinney III, and the suspicious link between population control advocates and the COVID vaccine. All right, um, is a vaccine make um, is a vaccine makers vaccine uh, authorizers a vaccine funder stands on human life relevant to your decision to receive or refuse the vaccine? Now there's a there's a fear. What exactly these vaccines? Uh, my concern is that they're aborted. They're made from aborted fetus cells. Uh, now there's a there is one vaccine out there that is made from a li from a liver or a kidney of an aborted fetus. And the question is, what will this vaccine do? Is this really a vaccine, or is this a sterilization? That's what the question I'm asking. Because I'm worried that someone like Bill Gates, who is obsessed with population control, wants to uh, sterilize uh, the young young people to cut down on, on, on population. That they're taking this opportunity to do this because they've always talked about climate change, population control. There's been talk that Bill Gates possibly uh, sterilized some people in India and Africa. And he's using this, and he has a lot of money. The man is a is a trillionaire, and he, him, and Soros and several other people, uh, they're into this whole thing. They're 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 for abortion. They're for um, sterilization. They're for a lot of things. And these people are psychopaths. They 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 don't they don't they're not satisfied with their own money. They're never satisfied with their own money. 
They're never satisfied with their money. They're sat they, they, they look at the world and there's not enough. They're not happy with the population out there. That's why a lot of these politically correct left-wingers and hipsters, I call them Nazi hipsters. Okay? They, they're control freaks. They're erratic people. They're neurotic people. They're, they, they, they have a phobia about things. They hide behind their political correctness. They hide behind their population control. This whole climate change and population control is really racism. Politically correct activist racists. The Nazis didn't disappear. That they, it's funny, they call everyone who's a conservative a Nazi. The word is, they, they, the word is, comes out of their mouth quite a lot when they want to silence their opponents, especially people who point out to their faults. They call the other person a Nazi. They'll call Trump a Nazi. They'll call Laura Ingram a Nazi. They'll call um, uh, any Christian, practicing Christian, a Nazi. But the fact is, the truth is, the Nazi is them. They're the ones with the final solution in their hand. Bill Gates is the one holding the hypodermic needle. George Soros is the one holding the hypodermic needle. Okay, that's, that's, my, that's my issue. That's my issue right there. That's what I believe. And no one can convince me otherwise. Okay? Because a majority of them happen to be white. And yes, 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 there are a few uh, Hispanics, Blacks, and Asians among them. And that's not unusual. That's not unusual. I think the fact is that the this final solution, the so-called extermination, comes from the most powerful and rich. They don't necessarily have to be white. They can be Hispanic. They can be Asian. They can be Middle Eastern. They can be even Indian. After all, you you know, you can't take you can't take over the planet just with people looking at yourself. But if people have power, you can convince enough of these rich perverts to join forces to make it their utopia, to make it their paradise. Why not? All right, the article by Robert Kin, uh, L. Kinney the Third, LifeSite News opinion piece. Okay, the part here is a little weird, what I read, I know, is a vaccine make, maker's vaccine authorizers or a vaccine funders stands on human life relevant to your decision to receive or refuse a vaccine. This is from uh, January 14th. So let's look at it. January 14th, 2021. Some have probably heard of the psychological theory known as projection. Most of the outline descriptions of the theory are overly complicated and irrelevant to the point being made here, so they will not be cited. But there is a specific type of projection, call it simply an observable phenomenon rather than a psychological theory that one can identify without any experience in psychology. Some people have the tendency to project their own good principles onto their others when they have an obligation not to project those good principles. The phenomenon is often variably expressed in the following way. Nobody would really do that, or nobody could really be that evil. <laughs> A cursory study of history of certain political entities, even within the last 10 years, makes one conclude, yes, they can be that evil. Specific examples are unnecessary, but many of the evils involve people or entities using other human beings to gain power and to destroy others who get in their way. It is obvious that many people in the world have an extremely distorted and incorrect idea of what is noble and good. The draconian responsible responses by public health officials and governing entities in America to the reported COVID-19 pandemic suggests that many people would really do that. It, un it is unfortunate reality that many people in the world have an anti-life and other distorted views 
that could influence how they use their power and positions in government. The views of those involved with the provision of COVID-19 data and information of COVID-19 vaccines are irrelevant. Are relevant. A previous article discussing the Moderna, Moderna U.S. federal government COVID-19 vaccine and the Pfizer BioNTech COVID-19 mentions that some some um, fund Bill Gates's public appearance early in the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, pa panic odd. The article mentioned that at the same time he was ca causing COVID-19 fear, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation were, was involved in developing a COVID-19 vaccine with Moderna and the U.S. federal government. Moderna, which is apparently known for its secrecy, has nearly 100 projects going on at once. But none of those has been proven safe and effective for making the in, for marketing in the U.S. One has to ask, why not? Is it because they actually already know that the um, mRNA technology is not safe? If companies discover early in the development of a drug, okay, of a drug or vaccine, the drug or vaccine is unsafe in animals or humans. They are necessarily required to publish the information. So when a company has had hundreds of projects, some or many, which have failed and did not publish the data, one may reasonably suspect that the products are were discovered to be harmful. Specifically, the COVID-19 vaccine technologies have not been shown to be safe in the long term. They, they reportedly work by forcing by forcing the body to make things it does not normally make. Serious short-term harms have already been discovered, but wrongly downplayed. Harms discovered after more than a few months, including cancers, cannot be excluded. But that it is a bit of a tangent from the main topic of this article. Since writing the previous article, it has been determined that Bill, Gate, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is also at least indirectly involved with the development of the other COVID-19 vaccines uh, uh, and, and authorized, but not approved in the U.S. This particular vaccine is sometimes incorrectly labeled as the Pfizer vaccine. The vaccine itself was actually developed by a foreign company named BioNTech, which then partnered with Pfizer. BioNTech was founded by the Dr. Uger Sahin, a Turkish immigrant to Germany, and his wife Oslam uh, Turki. Dr. Sahin, Dr. Sahin was awarded a prize for, Musl uh, for Muslims in the science and technology in 2019, but the company itself is apparently has been existence in since 2008 and still does not have any products proven to be safe and effective on the market it is definitely worth keeping in mind that both companies with COVID-19 vaccines that were given were given emergency use authorization in the U.S. and liability immunity have have zero approved products on the market with no products on the market Biotech had its initial public offering on the U.S. stock market in 2019. Also in 2019, only a few months before the reported discovery of COVID-19, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation purchased $55 million worth of Biotech stock since its initial public offering. The stock had increased by as much as roughly 800% in December 2020. And Biotech currently partners with the Chinese company, Fusuan Pharma. This is this is getting really creepy here. So notably, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation could apparently gain off both COVID nineteen vaccine authorized, authorized, but not approved in the U.S. There is now that now and Biden is in the White House. This is not going to get better. There is another reason why the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is involved in COVID-19 vaccine is worth noting, noting both getting to that, though, consider this. Would you want to know if the government 
entities promoting vaccine use, the vaccine maker or power, powerful person investing in the vaccine su uh, supports population reduction. There are many liberals who consider population bad. Say as many say as some have said in the past, a government entity considered future population growth and therefore large families a threat to national security for whatever false reasons such government entities can make up. Say also the same government persons are involved with developing um, and authorizing a vaccine. Would a reasonable person consider that information necessary prior to deciding re or refuse to receive the vaccine? Or put it this way, is a vaccine maker's vaccine authorizers or vaccine founders stance on human life and population control, which is which it has to be mentioned, could involve a deceptive and intentional reduction in life expectancy or infertility, which are contrary to human life, relevant to your to your decision to to um, receive or refuse a vaccine, even the most liberal liberal who supports the grave evil of population control would seemingly agree that that information uh consent requires one way to uh requires one to know that a vaccine was paid or made or authorized by a person who supports population reduction and control now that's something i would want to know yes it, it, because i know bill gates is very big on this i know a lot of these powerful people are very big on it and bill gates doesn't hide it those who support something as evil as population population control probably will not tell the world when they are putting their views into action if they support something as evil as population control they might also support using deception and falsehood to make that evil a reality it is probably unreasonable to think such persons would say, well, folks in America and the rest of the world, we are going to do some population control here. Don't worry, though. It's rig uh, rigorously tested and even safe and effective. So it would be defini de definitely a noteworthy if such persons clearly express such views and are involved with such vaccines. It is, pertain it is pertinent, not conspiracy theory or as some have wrongly stated to know that mr gates who has been heavily involved in both COVID 19 vaccines given emergency use authorization has supported population reduction and control in 2010 he he, he has said the following first we've got population the world today has 6.8 billion people that's headed up to about 9 billion now if we do a re really good job on on um, new vaccines health care reproduction health uh, so we could we could lower that by perhaps 10 10 to 15 percent huh. he wants to wipe up half the planet this guy there are more than one significant point to be made about that statement additionally it's not clearly how his statement and the obvious uh, conclusions one could make from his in support of population reduction and his involvement in COVID-19 vaccine is considered a conspiracy theory. There is no theory here. He really said those words. Generally speaking, it is clear that Mr. Gates supports COVID-19 vaccines. He reportedly, he, he reportedly is on quest to vaccinate the world with COVID-19 vaccine. It's odd. That such a person almost completely overlooks the fact that many people do not need vaccination and many people do not even experience symptoms from SARS or COVID-2. Thus, the normal person might say, speak for yourself, sir, on COVID-19 vaccines. The suggestion that the only way to get things back into to normal is through COVID-19 vaccines is false, but that will not be elaborated. Mr. Um, back to Mr. Um, I'm sorry, back to Mr. Gates clearly thinking it is good and noble thing to reduce the world's population, stating if we do a really good job on a new vaccine, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower the world's future population by perhaps 10 or 15 percent. 
There are only a few conclusions one can arrive at from such a statement, combined with his involvement with COVID-19 vaccines. Of course, nobody would really do that, would he? <laughs> yes, he would. <laughs> he most definitely would. Wow. So there you have it there. This is the problem with, um, I'm going to put this on my, um, my um, Facebook page, just to let you know. It's, he really did, he really is crazy. This guy is nuts. He really is. And I think he's dangerous. He is seriously, seriously dangerous. He's dangerous to everybody. No one has that right. He doesn't have a right. No one has elected him or chosen him to make such a decision. All right. No one has given him this right or power. He doesn't have a right to do this, but he believes he does. For some reason, because he thinks he's rich, that the gods or God has shined has, 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 has shine a spotlight on him and given him this responsibility. He doesn't have that right. All right. So I'm going to end it here. Let's say in our father, and I'll be back again soon. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen.